0: Today we come to a passage in Matthew, and it is Matthew chapter 26. So if you have your Bibles, uh, open there with me today. We're in Matthew chapter 26 as we dig into the Word today. And um, I just want to give us a reminder of where we're we're coming from. Jesus is in his last week uh, before he goes to the cross. We've seen his triumphal entry, right, into Jerusalem, riding in on a donkey as king. The the crowds are going berserk. The the whole city is in an uproar, and he goes into the temple, and he flips the tables, and he just throws everything into turmoil. And he declares himself as king. He's getting into these uh, matches with the Pharisees and with the Sadducees. and, And then he comes out of that place, and he, goes, and he goes away with his, just his disciples, up to the Mount of Olives. And they spent some time there, and we've looked at Jesus' teaching them about the end times, because they asked the question, when, when, when is this all going to happen, Jesus? So uh, Pastor Nick led us through uh, Jesus' teaching on the end times, and we looked at how we need to get oil for our lamps, those parables, and that the proof, of being in the kingdom of heaven. The proof of belonging to Jesus is caring for people. It's caring for justice and loving other people sincerely. That's the proof of the Holy Spirit living in you. That's, that's what it's going to look like. Um, and once again, this morning, I want to invite us, and Jesus wants to invite you to that same intimacy with Jesus that he is inviting you to. And that's an invitation for all of us here today, this invitation to give our lives to him as we seek him and he fills us with his spirit to then love. But Jesus, Jesus and his disciples, they come down from that place. It's almost like we had a little mini series for those two chapters, but now they've come down from this place and Remember where they are. It's important for us to remember the situation they find themselves in. They come down from the Mount of Olives and, they, and they're headed back to town. And now, remember, they're still in Jerusalem. They're still at the Passover. It's a city of 50,000, but there's an extra 100,000 to 150,000 that have descended on the city for the Passover. So it is just like bumping elbows. It's crazy. You know, it's like Christmas time where you have your whole family come and stay with you and you got air mattresses on the floor and you, like they didn't have air mattresses, but you had extra straw beds on the floor and the houses were jam-packed full and that's the scene that they come back into. It's, it's very, it's a very busy scene and they come to celebrate the feast of Passover, an ancient Jewish celebration. Um, that that everybody was there for, and so finishing his discourse upon the Mount of Olives, uh, Matthew records for us: uh, Jesus says, "You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man, Jesus, will be delivered up to be crucified." And so Jesus spells it out very clearly here. He had already hinted many times that. He was going to die, right? And it tells us in the word that they didn't the disciples actually didn't even grasp or get yet what that was gonna be like or look like, but here he clearly says, and there's one other time in Matthew that he said that he will be crucified. That wouldn't have made any sense to these guys, thinking that their Messiah, the Savior, was coming. How could a savior come? He's supposed to be the guy that's supposed to free us from the Romans. Instead, he's saying he's going to be crucified, which wasn't a Jewish death. He was going to be killed by the Romans. And so this is what Jesus, Jesus says. It says, then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. And so it begins. It's right since Jesus' entry a few chapters ago, it has been ramping up. and Matthew is just making it obvious. Everything is ramping up and just zoning in on the cross. This is where we're headed, and it's so. And this, the stage is set. They are plotting together. They are plotting together to kill Jesus, and we're only two days away. We're almost there. We enter the last two days before Jesus' death. And if you're following along in your Bible, we see from verses 6 to 13 this amazing exchange that I had a whole message planned out for, and we're not even going to get there this time. But it's a beautiful exchange of, as they're lodging in Bethany, just just east of Jerusalem, um, Jesus and his disciples, there's this extravagant love poured out on Jesus from this woman who recognizes the importance of this moment. Something very important is happening right now. And this woman recognizes it and just pours everything out on loving Jesus. But for today, we're going to look at verses 14 through 29. So you can flip your pages there. And and it's a familiar passage, yet it's one that has so much depth and meaning to it that we're really going to scratch the surface today. Uh, as, as I've thought about entering this moment of us journeying through Matthew and headed towards the cross, you know, sometimes it's very rich to just dig deep and, to, and get the nuances and the details of Scripture. Yet sometimes it's, it's great to just pull back and look at the, the general story and just marvel at Jesus. And so as we do this today, we just want to, the aim is for our hearts to just be in awe of Jesus to, to love him and see who he is and what he is doing. So we're gonna pick it up here, but but before we do, let me let me just pray that our hearts would be in awe of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we we thank you that you are indeed awesome. And Lord, I pray that as we read familiar passages. Some, some here have been reading these passages for decades upon decades. Lord, I pray that it would be fresh today and that we would be in awe of you, our Savior, and what you are doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's pick it up here in Matthew 26, verse 14 to 16. Then one of the twelve whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Okay, so Matthew gives us some insight as to what's going on behind the scenes here, right? We get to see a little bit behind the curtain as to what's happening ahead of time. Judas, for whatever reason, decides that Jesus isn't worth it. He, for some reason, he's been walking with Jesus for over three years. He's seen the miracles. He's seen everything happening. But for some reason, he decides that Jesus isn't worth it. Maybe Jesus just didn't live up to his expectations as Messiah. That seems to make a lot of sense. Jesus didn't match what a Messiah would have looked like in their minds. Uh, we know that Judas handled uh, the money that that the disciples would have shared on their journeys, and uh, maybe he didn't like how Jesus uh, handled his money. Uh, I don't think many of us would have Jesus as our financial advisor uh, uh, if we were, if he were around today. Uh, he handles money incredibly differently. Uh, we can th- take that seriously, actually, and think about that on another in, at another time, um, but. There's, we don't know exactly what, but the, the equivalent of $4,000 is about what Judas would have gotten to betray Jesus. There was something already happening in his heart. $4,000 is, is not enough money to... I mean, it's a, it's a significant amount of money, but it's not enough money to throw away the Messiah if you truly thought that this guy was. I, I just, there's something already happening in his heart already. So the plot has begun, and it's fulfilling prophecy. So I'm going to read verses 17 to 19. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. I just think that's such a funny, we, we've seen this twice now. Uh, first, go into the town, and you will see a donkey and a colt, and they're tied together. Go into the town, and when the guy comes to ask you, just say, oh, the Lord needs it. And it'll be fine, and away you go. And it's its like a spy movie, right? It's like you got a code word. It's like, oh, the Lord needs it, right? Um, And this one, oh, uh, here's what you say The teacher says, My time is at hand. It's like, hmm, you're good. Come on in. You can just, you think about it, there's a hundred thousand people. There's a hundred thousand people in town. Jesus has caused quite a stir, and there's thousands that are rallying around him. You can almost just picture him trying to get to this house to celebrate the Passover with just his disciples, like hoodie up, walking through town, trying to get there, right? Go prepare. Passover. And so that's the, that's where we're, the picture we're at. Jesus's people had been doing this ritual, this practice of Passover meal for over a thousand years before Jesus. So this is something that was very, very set in their culture. And I think it's going to be a really good idea today. And what I'd like to do is for us to look over and dig into uh, what their Passover celebration is. Uh, looked like. And now this is going to be a very stripped down version. Um, When I did some research on this this week, um, uh, it has had thousands of years of iterations, but we're just going to boil it down to the simplest form of what these disciples likely would have been partaking in when they were doing Passover. It was the biggest celebration of the Jewish calendar. And so if I was to ask you And yes, I can get an answer. What do you think of when you think of the Last Supper? What kind of picture comes to your mind when you think of the Last Supper? It's probably something that looks like this. Right? Does it look like that? Yeah, that one, the the table where nobody sits on one side. And uh, everybody's sitting there nicely. Okay, so this is not what it would have looked like. At all, uh, this is Da Vinci's picture, right, of the Last Supper, and this is famous. But that's not how it would look. Um, in fact, I tried to set it up this week because they come and they recline and they have very low tables, as many cultures do. And if if you see if you see what would happen to the simulcast, we wouldn't be able to see what's happening today. So for today, we're going to be like those guys and we're going to sit on one side of a table. But that's not how it would have looked. They would have been reclining together, and they would, it would have been a very close and intimate meal together. And so we're going to move on from that picture. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the 12. He reclined. And so it's not going to work on the screens at home, so we'll do this today. Um, and so we're going to walk through this together. Uh, Chris Haggard, are you here? Yeah, can you come on up? So I I sent Chris a a text message on Friday, I think it was, and asked if he would volunteer. You can come take a seat right here, and uh, you can take your mask off, too. That's good. Um, Chris Haggard, if you guys didn't know Chris. He's a lovely person. (laughs) Um, I haven't told him what we're going to do. I didn't tell you anything. No? No? Good. Uh, So when you get together at a Passover Seder celebration, uh, there's a host, and a leader. And it takes about two hours to get through all of the different rituals and things that they do. And so um, Sunday school teachers are going to have a long time this morning. No, I'm kidding. We're going to do a super speed version, okay? But it, it, it's going to really hopefully bring to light what Jesus is doing. And so right away, there's a host. I'll be the host. You can be a guest. You all get to be children, Okay. Are you children today? You're like, yeah, I'm a child of God. Come on. Just get all cheesy on us here. Yeah, great. So first thing they do is they take a wonderful box of Concord grape juice. No, they had good wine is what they did. And then a very important part of the Passover is to have good wine. But for today, we are going to have some Concord grape juice. I think I busted it. There. Concord grape juice in Ikea cups. Because Judas was probably Swedish. (laughs) They would have had a hollowed out log or something. We're not going for authentic here today. So, what they would start with is the host would raise a glass and everybody else would raise their glass, okay? You're going to want to not drink too much of that because you're going to want to save some, trust me. Um, and the, with the glasses raised, the host would sing a blessing in Hebrew, and I have tried to learn how to sing it, and I won't bother you with that, but I will say it. I will say it out loud, and then you guys can repeat in English after me, okay? Baruch ata Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam pri hagafin. and may you be blessed, Lord our God, king of the world, who created the fruit of the vine. And then we take. And they take a drink. It's time to celebrate. It's time to celebrate. And so they're having a party. And they're all reclining and they're celebrating. And then Jesus makes things really weird really fast. He says, as they were eating, they're starting to eat. They're starting to celebrate. Jesus says, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. That's not normal. Thanks Jesus for doing that. He just drops this bomb at the dinner table. And they were very sorrowful. And they began to say to him one after another, "Is it I, Lord?" "Is it I, Lord?" "Oh, certainly it couldn't be me." And they they go, kind of everybody's asking, "Is it is it me? Is it me?" And if you think of what's to come, if you're familiar with the story, if you think of the garden, and if you think of the cross, who's going to betray Jesus? Who's going to to leave him? Everybody. Everybody at one point. Everyone. And so they were sad at this moment. And of course, the story is set up specifically to mean Judas. Judas. Uh, Judas Iscariot and so they all ask is it me Jesus certainly it can't be me and he answered he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me Will betray me And if we don't know at this point (laughs) What this dish is it sounds kind of weird like I take this dish and it's like the one who dips his hand in the dish with me will betray me Here That's not what happened So what they're doing is they're eating They're eating together, and after the blessing and the wine was the dipping of the karpas, or the green vegetable, the dipping of the vegetable, and so you take a piece of lettuce, so you can take a piece of lettuce, all right, good, and then you kind of like, you kind of crunch it up, kind of like make a little bit of a ball out of it, okay, and you swirl swirl it in this dish, okay, I'll go first. You just, like, really get it in there, swir- swirl it in this dish. Go for it. Good. Okay, ready? Yeah. All right, let's go. Mmm. A little salty, hey? Yeah. Mmm. Yeah. So salty. Mmm. So you take this piece, and you put it, excuse me if that's gross on a microphone. You put this in the dish, and it's extremely salty. And it's to tell the story. Everything that's happening at Passover is telling a story. And it's the story of Joseph and his brothers. You remember the story of Joseph and his brothers? You guys know the story? You probably have, if you grew up in the church, you probably have like these picture book uh, ideals in your mind. And so the story of Joseph. You have Abraham, who had Isaac, who had Jacob, who had 12 sons. And the 11th son, he was a bit of an interesting guy. He was the favorite son, but he was also kind of a punk towards his brothers because he was like, hey, I'm the best, I'm, I'm the greatest, and they kind of took offense to that. He had this fancy coat, right, Joseph? His brothers took offense to this. They decided to try to kill him. Instead of killing him, they're like, oh, you know what? Let's just sell him into slavery instead. So they sold their brother into slavery, and he ends up in Egypt. But do you, do you remember what happened when, so they took the coat from Joseph, and do you remember what they did with his coat? They dipped it in blood, in the, in, the, in the blood of what? A lamb. They dipped it in the blood of a lamb, and they went and told their father, our brother is dead. He died. He was killed by a wild animal. And so this super salty water. You know, you bite your lip or something. What does, it, what does it taste like when you start bleeding? It's pretty salty, right? And so it's, it's a reminder of the dipping of Joseph's coat in blood, which started the story of the Jewish redemption story, as Israel ends up in Egypt. And so it's the start of the story. And at this point, After the dipping of the vegetable, there's some written down questions that the kids, kids, would get to ask. And they are this. So there's four questions. What makes this night different? Why only unleavened bread tonight? Why do we eat bitter herbs tonight? That's going to be fun later. Uh, Why do we dip the vegetable tonight? So you guys, just like kids do, talk over each other, ask some of these questions. Come on. (laughs) okay 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 i'm really glad you asked (laughs) then comes the exodus story of the israelites in slavery because the jews are remembering this their story with god and their exodus from slavery in egypt and they read three chapters in exodus and it would take about 45 minutes or so to read those three chapters So we're not going to do that today, but we're going to do the short version today, much like you'd see in Deuteronomy chapter 26, uh, verses 5 to 9. In fact, I'm just going to read that today. So we kind of went through the Joseph story a little bit already. But here, Deuteronomy 26. You shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father. He's talking about Abraham. Abraham, just this sojourner, just this wanderer, had no home was our ancestor. He went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. There he became a great nation. This is after Joseph, right? His brothers came when there was famine in the land. His brothers came, and where was Joseph? Second in command to who? Pharaoh. He was a big deal, and remember that he took care of his family, and then... Abraham's, Isaac, Jacob's family, all these brothers, they move to Egypt. And they start to, as happens many times, these immigrants move to this place, and they start to flourish, and they start to thrive. And many times throughout, the history, throughout history, this family of Israel becomes huge, and it starts to make the Pharaoh really worried. These, these people are very powerful now all of a sudden. And so Pharaoh oppresses them. He puts them in slavery. They were building many of the monuments in the day and he's making their lives absolutely miserable. And so there's this growth that's happened. There's this oppression. And then God raises up a leader because Pharaoh is so worried about these Jews, these Hebrews, that he kills a whole generation of, of sons Remember that story? He goes and he it's a genocide. He wipes out that whole generation of sons. Except one was spared. And who was that? Moses. He raised up a deliverer for Israel. And his name was Moses. And we know the story of God sending Moses to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. And yet Pharaoh wouldn't and he refused. And he receives the hammer, these plagues, right? Over and over, and over again, and it gets worse, and worse, until the last one, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but it's a liberation story, it's a rescue story, and it's a story of these folks coming to a promised land, so they remind themselves of this story, as they're taking Passover, and they they remember the story of Exodus, and that they are God's people, and God is a deliverer, and so, they sing Psalm 113, which we won't do today because that would be chaotic if we all tried to come up with our own tune. But they sing Psalm 113 after the Exodus story, and then we have the blessing yet again. And Baruch Ata Adonai LeRazer Glass <laughs> Eloheinu Melech Haolam Bore Pri Hagafen, Lord our God king of the world, who created the fruit of the vine. And so they have some more wine. Um, do you remember Rabbi Gamaliel? No, okay, you don't know him. But you kind of do know him because he was a prominent rabbi in the day, and he was the rabbi and the trainer of a guy named Saul from... Parsis. And we know him as Paul. And so he was kind of a big deal in, in Jesus' day. And Gamaliel, well, he said three things are necessary for a proper Passover. Okay, so this is in the days of Jesus. Three, You need at least these three things to make Passover meal happen. Uh, so first, you need the unleavened bread. Second, you need the bitter herb. And third, you need to eat the, the Passover lamb. And so the first part of the meal was bread. And so we have some bread. You know, Leah made this unleavened bread um, yesterday, and she said it was so stressful to make. The, she, we looked it up. the Pharisees said, "You have 18 minutes exactly to make this bread so that it is not leavened. It, there's no yeast. In it. You have to work it and knead it and get go really fast and make sure you get it in the oven. And thankfully we have an old oven, so it's probably from the days of Moses. But <laughs> but no, they didn't even have that. In 18 minutes, they had to make their unleavened bread in order for it to count, right? And so Leah had had made this bread for us, and she said, even just trying to get that done, she was feeling the urgency, the urgency of what it was. And so this is where. This part where they take the bread, this part of the meal, this is where Jesus really starts changing it up from tradition, and he starts giving it new meaning. Bread was a staple food, as it is in many parts of the world today. Bread is a, as a staple food. This is their, their life. And there's, in this particular day, there is no yeast in the bread. And this is a symbol for the Exodus, again, that there was no time to wait for the dough to rise because they were being driven out of Egypt, they had to be ready to go at a moment's notice. They had to drop and go because Pharaoh said, "Get out!" And they were driven out of Egypt after the final plague. And it says, "They baked unleavened cakes." This is in Exodus, of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait. Nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. So this was like. Uh, a to go bar. I don't even know what, what what it would be. Like a protein bar. There you go. This is like road road food, right? This is road food for them. And so they remember this. And so they take the bread and they break it and they pass it. And they break the bread. And they say, another blessing. And so they take the, the bread and they say another blessing. Baruch ata Adonai Eloheinu, melech haolam hamotzi lechem min haretz. May you be blessed, Lord our God, king of the world, who brings forth bread from the earth. And they would start eating. And so they would eat this bread, and they would remember the time that they had to flee from Pharaoh, and God was delivering them. So the disciples are doing this, and the bread is taken, and they're eating, and and Jesus says, after blessing it, he broke it and he gave, he, he says a blessing very similar to what we would have seen. Gave it to the disciples, said, take, eat, this is my body. So you're a disciple and you're taking a normal Passover that you've done your whole life. And this guy says, here, eat this, it's my body. Hmm, that's weird. That's very strange. That's very... You're allowed to think that's strange. That's very strange indeed. Jesus is taking the rich symbolism and identifiers in the most important of Israel's redemptive stories, their God, Yahweh, and he's using them to make a point of himself and what he is doing. He gave them the idea that he was going to die, but he didn't speak much as to why. Did you notice that? Jesus didn't say very much about why He was going to die. And so at his last dinner with his disciples, he is giving this picture as to why, why he's dying. And he shares the meaning of this in this meal. What he did in the few hours he had left was to leave this picture to explain the depths of the sacrifice that he was about to make, to try to make it make sense for these guys, because in a few short hours, things are going to go crazy. And they needed to know what Jesus was doing. And so they need this bread, right, to make this bread. And it's, and it's an urgent thing. And they put it, put it in a fire. And like bread, Jesus' body would be broken. It would be broken. But that same broken bread, it would be a source of life. And that source of life in the breaking of the bread is actually meant for sharing. And that's, that's what Jesus is doing here. And so we live both by bread, we do. We live by bread, food, physical food. And we live by the broken body of Jesus. We live by his broken body. And so we, they keep eating because we have plenty of this. Leah was very generous to us. Hmm. Not bad? Mm-hmm. Better than salt water? Oh, than salt. No. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. And after the bread, the Passover leader would have the moror, or the bitter herb. I'm not looking forward to this part. And so we're going to take this together. So, do you see this stuff sitting here? I, I've been looking at it. <laughs> so we take a bit of lettuce. We grab another piece of lettuce. And we have bitter herb. It's, it's just the spiciest, hottest, purest horseradish you could find. And you need a lot, Okay. Okay. Um, so, like, like I'm talking, yeah. Okay? Mm. We get, Just go for it. Oh, yes. I'm glad I invited you. Are you ready? Are you ready? And so we take the Maror. No blessing for this part. Not good, eh? <laughs> <coughs> right on. So this is the part of the meal. Yeah, have a drink. This is the part of the meal where the kids would say, Why on earth are we doing this? And that's exactly the point. Um, the point is to actually shed tears. That's, it's true. The point is, is to shed tears. And it's because of this. So the, the host would remind the children. Um, remember when, when our people were in Exodus, they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service. And they're supposed to remember that. They're not supposed to forget that. Egypt made Israel's lives bitter and so this is about remembering. I mean, uh, you can go for it. Whew. This is about remembering and reliving and actually placing yourself in God's redemptive story. That's what they're doing. The point isn't to only know about the past and remember it, which is important, but to step into it and identify with the struggle of your people to actually be there. And so this is supposed to bring tears, to cry for injustices from Egypt, but also for every generation throughout humanity, and to realize that God is the only one that has the saving grace that we need. And so that's why we do that. Okay, kids? Be glad I didn't get enough for all of you. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Um, and then the third part of the necessary, according to Gamaliel, the Passover meal is the Passover lamb. We know that the gospel account is an abbreviated version of the meal that they shared in Matthew that we're reading. But the lamb is uh, strangely missing from their meal. It's, it's missing from their meal. It's, it's curious, actually. Um, to recall... It's just weird. The lamb was to recall the last plague in, which, uh, in Egypt, in which a God came, and he took the firstborn son of everyone in Egypt. And uh, this was the last plague, and it was a kind of justice for what Pharaoh had done. But we know that, if you've been around church for a while, you know the story that in order for people to be under God's protection, they needed to sacrifice a, a spotless lamb, and they ate the lamb that night. But they put the blood uh, on the doorposts. Right? They put the blood on the doorposts, and as the angel came and took the lives of the firstborn, anyone with blood of the lamb on their doorpost would be saved. And it's it's an awful, painful story. And so they eat the lamb. We don't have any lamb here today. Sorry just bitter herb for you. Um, And it's to recall this last plague. And it's to remember that through the blood of the lamb, God enacts his justice on evil. And that's right, actually. And it's good that he enacts justice on evil. But he provides escape. He provides escape. Even though nobody was faultless, through the blood of the innocent lamb, there is an escape. And so Jesus is meal, shares nothing of a lamb, but instead he takes the cup. He takes the cup again, okay? He takes the cup. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam bore hagafen, right? May you be blessed, Lord our God, king of the world, who brings forth the fruit of the vine. Did I have it on there? No, I didn't. Okay, you guys got it memorized already almost. Right on. And then they take together. And then he says, for this is my blood, my blood, he's making it about himself, my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And so this blood of the lamb is the mark of this covenant family, just like it was back then. This blood of the lamb on the doorpost marked the covenant family of God. And it's the same way now. And Jesus is making a new covenant. And it's marking a covenant family that God is redeeming. Jesus' blood, which was going to be spilled very shortly. And these guys didn't know what was coming. But it was going to happen very, very soon. Jesus' blood was the substitute, was the lamb. Jesus' blood was, was the blood of the lamb. It's the substitute to not fall under God's wrath and justice, but to be sealed in his new covenant family. And you see what Jesus was doing here? You see how much he was showing his disciples why why he was about to go through what he was about to go through. This is what Jesus gives his disciples to make sense of what's going to happen in the next 24 hours, because in 24 hours, he's going to be hanging on a cross. And so we're going to conclude our Passover here. Thanks for helping me out. You can go have a seat. Yeah, good job. So we're concluding our Passover here. And and as we reflect on what Jesus was doing, the point isn't merely to understand, right? Just like for the kids as they're taking the Passover meal, the point isn't just to understand and get it. But the point is that you would enter in to the story, that it would be like you are there with Jesus, that you are his disciple experiencing this meal with him, with each other, that you are there with him and identifying that because of his broken body and because of his blood poured out, it is for you it is for you. And so we take communion together. Jesus instituted this uh, for that reason. Jesus is creating a new covenant people, and he's rescuing them. In the Old Testament, through the Lamb, God rescues Israel. As we walk through the story, right? From slavery to Pharaoh. But in Jesus, through Jesus, God rescues the world from slavery to sin and death. Hallelujah. Amen? If you know Jesus, that is, that is awesome. If you don't, that is just good news that you need to put your trust in. We're all called into the story of Jesus. We're all called into this story as he instituted this for followers to take part in regularly. And that's what we do when we take communion. We're called not to merely remember, but to step into this story. Because you truly were one of the ones he bled for. One of the ones he allowed himself to be broken for. That we would be rescued. That we would be rescued from the tyranny of the, the devil, the world, and of ourselves. Of ourselves. So we remember this in communion. And we enter into this this story today. It's amazing how Jesus said, do this often. Because we need to stop and we need to remember. In the busyness of our lives and of our world, there is a lot of different stories that are competing for your attention. But in communion, we stop and we refocus and we put at the center Jesus and his brokenness and his blood. And that we can enter into this redemptive story. And that's our story. That's our story. Because of Jesus. That we would not be under God's wrath, but be reconciled to him. <laughs> and that we would live in his love. That's good. Amen? So as we come to the table, I invite you, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is the Lord's table that we're taking together. Uh, you can get your communion cups ready. Uh, There'll be a little bit of crinkling. That's okay. We're remembering here. So we come to Jesus' table today. We come to his table. We're reclining with him. With each other. Brothers and sisters. So as we come to the table... I'm just going to invite us to pause for a moment, and um, if, there's, if there's a part of your life that you're hanging on to that, that is sinful, that you want to somehow follow Jesus but also hang on to the old life, this is, this is not for you today, although right now I want to give you a chance to, to repent come to the Lord in confession and ask his forgiveness. So I just want to leave just a a little bit of quiet here. And I'll I'll lead this out. Lord, we come to you, I ask. Lord, like David, search our hearts, oh God. Lord, is there anything we need to leave at your feet right now before we partake in your sacrifice for us? thank you, Lord. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for grace. Thank you. So let's remember together. On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it just like we just saw. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. Let's do that together. And then he took the cup. And in the cup, as we just talked about, he showed us that he is the perfect spotless lamb, the perfect sacrifice once and for all, his blood that was shed. And so he took the cup and he gave thanks. and He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And so let's do this in remembrance of our Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. What can we say but, Lord, we are forever indebted to you, and so we give you all the glory, for you alone are truly worthy. We thank you that we enter into something here this morning that is more than 3,000 years old and is still as true today, because you are the same God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for redemption and salvation. Thank you for your good plan. We love you, Jesus. Amen.